Blog Talk Radio. everybody and welcome to Golf Talk Live. I'm your host Ted Odorico. We've got a great show for you tonight. I want to thank uh, all of you for tuning in uh, this Thursday evening, February 16th of 2017. Uh, and as I always said, we are live Thursday evenings, uh, normally from 6 to 8 p.m. Uh, Central or 7 to 9 for those of you on the East Coast and of course 4 to 6 for those of you uh, under Pacific time. But thank you for joining uh, me live this evening on blogtalkradio.com's Golf Talk Live. And just to remind everybody um, how to find the show, if you're unfamiliar or want to pass it on, you go to uh, www.blogtalkradio.com and type in Golf Talk Live, and that will take you to the main page. And, of course, uh, right at the top on the live broadcast, uh, the current show will be there. Uh, For some reason, if you can't join us live, uh, go to, again, blogtalkradio.com forward slash Golf Talk Live and just scroll down the page to the on-demand section. Uh, As I've mentioned many times before, all of the programs are auto-recorded, so uh, if you can't join us live, not to, not to worry, uh, you can go and listen to uh, tonight's broadcast and any of the other previously aired broadcasts uh, when it's convenient for you. Uh, at any time if you, during the live show, if you want to call in and speak with any of the guests or if you have any questions or, or comments that you'd like to, to make uh, during our broadcast, uh, you're welcome to do so. The number you can call in on is area code 646-716-4667, uh, or you can email questions or comments to me uh, personally at ted.golftalklive at gmail.com. Uh, always uh, update through social media on the program at facebook.com go to golf talk live blog and uh, you can do that or you can also do on my personal page as well i always update uh, the shows there as well and you can also follow me on twitter my twitter handle is ted and buck ceo ceo being in capital letters um got a very uh, interesting show tonight uh joining me this evening is going to be jane uh, jamie leno zimron who's been on the show many many times and i'll tell you about uh, her in just a moment and uh, some new people have never been on the show uh, Connie Charles, uh, David Bisbee, and uh, Peter Fox will be joining uh, in the conversation tonight. So let me uh, just make a quick announcement first off um, about the program, and then I'll get into some of the introductions and bring my, my guests who are very patiently waiting. Um, as I mentioned last week, uh, first off, let me apologize for last week. I had a technical issue with my headset, and uh, the first minute or two I wasn't able to hear uh, my guests, so it was a little bit of a delay uh, getting the start, so I apologize for any convenience, but the show is, of course, uh, there in its entirety, so uh, feel free to check that out. And as I did mention last week, uh, starting March 2nd, uh, we'll be uh, sort of reigniting uh, our famous Coach's Corner uh, panel discussion, so that'll be the first discussion on Coach's Corner, which will take the first hour of the show, and then, of course, followed by uh, a very insightful uh, interview with my special guest that evening. But uh, Coach's Corner will begin on uh, March 2nd, and uh, we're really looking forward to that. And speaking of which, uh, I want to welcome back uh, to the show 
Class A LBJ teacher professional Jamie uh, Leno Zimron, who has been part of Coach's Corner team uh, for many, many years now since we've been doing the show, and is always, uh, of course, up to some interesting things. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about some of the interesting things that she's uh, doing tonight with the folks. Um, she's a very passionate uh, pioneer in bod- body mind approaches to peak performance and overall well being. And she's been both a junior and senior golf champion and is the founder of Kiai. Uh, golf training and the Kiai Way uh, Incorporated is her business, and also the Every Business uh, Women Golf. Uh, she's also affectionately known as the Golf Sensei or uh, Master Instructor, and brings uh, a more holistic uh, teaching approach to her golfing uh, to uh, all kinds of um, great uh, executives and uh, students that she works with out there. And she's also a fifth degree uh, Aikido black belt, so uh, very well. Uh, physically fit as well. She's a psychologist, sports counselor, corporate speaker, and an executive coach. Uh, next also is uh, joining us tonight is Connie Charles. She's the founder and CEO of IMAP Strategic Solutions, which we're going to be talking about tonight, and also IMAP Golf. And she's also the co-author along with our uh, other special guest, PJ Pro Dave Bisbee. Uh, he, uh, the book that they uh, co-authored together is Back on Course, uh, Driving Business Performance Through Golf. And uh, Dave, of course, is the program director at Seven Canyons uh, Golf Club in Sedona, Arizona. And uh, there he leads uh, their comprehensive game improvement center, combining uh, golf instruction, custom club fitting, and mental conditioning for uh, not just the new uh, folks out there, but some of the seasoned professionals and also executive golfers out there. So both of them are going to be joining me. And rounding out uh, our panel tonight, of course, is Peter Fox. And he is a founding executive producer of ESPN and has worked with many uh, major corporations as a uh, communications consultant and uh, always had a passion and, uh, for playing and teaching golf and is a member of the IMAP Strategic Solutions Advisory Board. So with that in mind, let me welcome uh, Jamie, uh, Connie, Dave, and Peter. Welcome to uh, Golf Talk Live. Thanks for having us. Thank you, Ted. Thanks for having us all. Yeah, it was... Uh, and that was the that was the edited ver- I had to edit that down as I said before because uh, there are many many more accolades and I'll try and throw a few more in there. Um, first of all, let me just <laughs> add one thing. Uh, I know many of you have worked with Fortune 500 uh, leaders out there, so very impressive resume uh, for all of you out there. So we know there's lots of uh, very uh, important people out there that you guys have done some great work with, and we'll talk a little bit about that tonight. Uh, we're here to talk about IMAP Golf and. Uh, that's what we're going to have the discussion about this evening on Golf Talk Live. So I think, Connie, uh, as I mentioned off air, we're going to start with you. Um, what is IMAP Golf? Give us a, sort of a, a general overview of, of what it is. Well, IMAP Golf is actually rooted in some of the corporate work that we've been doing over uh, the last 25-plus years. And basically, our philosophy is that to achieve success in anything you do, you have to start with an understanding of who you are as a person. And so in our corporate work, we have um, developed an assessment process for helping people very quickly understand some very complex characteristics about who they are as individuals as well as teams. And we've created a version of that that applies to the golf game. But what we do is we basically map out a person's behavior in the work environment on four different levels. We look at what they love to do, what their strengths are, what they need to be successful, and then the all-important how we react when we get under stress. 
And then that creates a map of an individual. And once we understand the map, we know how to help you improve your performance, whether it be in the boardroom or out on the golf course. Very good. Now, how did you, how did this sort of uh, be, become developed? What was the, um, I guess, obviously uh, you, you explained what the purpose of it for, but how did this sort of come about? What made you decide this was something that, that was uh, uh, greatly needed in the industry? Well, it's kind of interesting. Like a lot of things, it happened by accident. And I just happened to be the next phone call into one of our suppliers um, who works with us on, on developing this data. And they said, we just had this really strange phone call. It was from this guy who owns these golf schools. And he thinks there's an application of this to the game of golf. And that literally is how it all started. And so it was with um, one of the the um, largest, I think, golf schools at that point in time, about 20 years ago now. And we worked with them to develop um, an application of this assessment about understanding who we are, but how it applies to the way you play golf. And so that's how it all emerged. And through that process, I met Dave, and we actually grew our consulting practice by hosting executive golf schools. And that's how we got launched. And we would invite executives to come spend a day with us and they would uh, get their, their, their swing problems fixed. And then um, w- at some point somebody is saying, well, this has to apply back to the office in some way. And so we would then be able to talk to them not only about their golf game, but also about their leadership capability. Right. Very, very interesting. Um, Jamie, I'm going to ask this uh, next question to you um, as, a, as a, a professional and also as a player. Um, how are how and why are you involved, and what are some of the benefits as a teaching professional um, do you see in, in using uh, IMAP? Well, I was actually thrilled when I met Dave, gosh, about six or seven years ago. I did a video for the Golf Channel, and then he started telling me all about IMAP, my team, and I met my leadership, I met my golf, and when I met Connie and really started to get in to dig into the assessments and all the information there as a player and also as an instructor. Um, it was kind of like the golfer in me, the teacher in me, and the psychologist in me, um, and the corporate trainer <laughs> all went, whoa, this is, this is where it's at. This is terrific. Uh, and what I would say as an LPGA pro, one of the things that we get schooled in a lot is what we call student-centered teaching. And that means really knowing who this person is who's trying to hit the golf ball, right? Um, because it's not its not only the club that's hitting the ball, it's really the person swinging the club. And that means right. the, uh, you know, the physical capabilities, the emotional uh, makeup, the thought process, the mental game, all of that stuff is what really goes into uh, this person that we are that swings the club that ultimately launches the ball and, uh, you know, gets the score, enjoys or doesn't enjoy, has all kinds of reactions out there to, to the successes and adversities. And, you know, we, talk, we, we look at a person's learning style. We look at, um, you know, your left brain, right brain, all these kinds of things. But there's also, you know, so much of the emotional makeup and the kind of uh, self-talk and uh, individualized uh, approach, you know, to, to our mental self-management that makes so mm-hmm. much difference. And so, you know, as, as, a, as a player and a teacher, it's like, why are we not using assessments more? And there are a few assessment tools out there specifically for golf, and not, not many, only a couple I know of at all. 
and IMAP is just, in, in my estimation, uh, the best one that I know of out there. Um, and it's, you know, it really speeds up the process of, for an instructor and for a student, of knowing, like, what we're working with, yeah? Um, so it, it helps that whole communication. It helps the, the student-teacher relationship. It, again, it speeds up knowing that. It gives, a, and it, it gives people tools both to learn and also when you're out on the golf course to manage yourself in a better way. One of the things mm -hmm. in, you know, my work, KI golf training, keys your energy, right, that's physical, mental, emotional, spiritual. And I always say, uh, ask the question about what makes your golf ball go. And when you realize that it's you, it's your energy that's making the golf ball go, then uh, the next step is to, is to say, um, you know, we really need to be able to know we are better and to manage that energy in a better way. So that's what IMAP gives such, uh, you know, a lot of detailed information about Right. Um, Dave, I want to bring you in uh, in the conversation now, and I want to kind of flip this a little bit. Um, Jamie's very eloquently explained uh, a lot about from the teaching uh, side of it, and obviously there's some uh, benefits for the students. Um, give us a little bit more in-depth, if you would, from a student's perspective, what they can learn about themselves um, going through this process, and why is it important for them um, to be assessed? What, what benefits are they going to receive um, by having their coach or their teaching professional um, do this assessment with them? Um, well, I, I think to, to kind of go back to what Connie was talking about, when we first met, um, I, was, I was doing conducting golf schools, and, and the people who were came, come to the golf schools were obviously people who were of means, meaning that they worked for a living, and most of them were executives. Uh, so they, uh, uh, they started kind of looking at uh, golf from a standpoint of, of how it related uh, to what they did and, and their work life. Mm -hmm. uh, Connie and I were introduced, uh, and I, I, I used, you know, I, I looked at uh, all kinds of, of, uh, of things uh, back then to kind of give me a picture of how to connect quicker with, uh, with that person, how to be able to relate to them uh, faster and, and, and how to make the, uh, uh, the instruction uh, understandable for them. Uh, and uh, when, uh, when I met Connie, I, I took the, uh, uh, the Berkman, uh, the, the assessment tool back then, and it was, back then it was a paper-pencil um, uh, process. But right. um, the, the, what it told me about me was revealing in the in the sense that uh, it identified uh, certain things about my style of doing things, and mm -hmm. when I looked at that in contrast to a student that I was working with, I found that you know my my assessment looked a lot different than that student's assessment, which really kind of turned the light on for me that so my way might not be the best way. And, right. uh, and or the only way, uh, and and we really, uh, I mean, it it was a it was a turning point in my uh, my teaching uh, career. Having having something that was as revealing to me as video, you know, video would show me uh, what position the club was in, and I could share that with the student. I could show them where where the club was at a certain point in the swing. This let me look between their ears and see what made them tick, and and uh, 
uh, you know, I could identify their strengths. I could tell if I was teaching uh, to their need. Uh, and uh, it, it just it really revolutionized the way that I approach teaching and coaching. Let, let me ask you something um, on that lines, David, just to, to sort of re- reinforce it. Um, I think one of the, and, and I'm sure as a, a teaching professional, you would agree with this, that sometimes, and, and this is not a, a, a negative to the industry, but I think sometimes as teacher professionals, if we don't, um, you know, have certain information or we don't listen to the student uh, and sort of go under assumption and build a plan or a process that maybe isn't going to be applicable for that particular student because we're all built differently, we're all think differently. Does IMAP give you um, a better grasp as a teacher professional of the individual student's needs uh, and, and how you're best able to apply that as opposed to some of the traditional ways that we've sort of gathered information from our students? Uh, yes, um, and in fact, uh, one of the things that one of the reports that it produces is a coaching report, and that coaching report uh, uh, tells you um, how to approach that particular student. Uh, when Connie and I started doing uh, certification for um, teaching professionals, uh, you know, we'd get the people in the room and we'd say, you know, that. Uh, you you are 100% successful with 25% of the market, and meaning that right. uh, statistically their style and and how they presented uh, perfectly lined up with 25% of of the public. And uh, you know, and the revealing thing from from that standpoint was to say, we can give you tools to modify your style so that you can relate to 100% and and do you think that that might improve your bottom line as a teacher if you were able sure. to connect with all of those others the way that you do with that 25% right um, Peter I, I want to bring you in in uh, now in the conversation and I want to ask you uh, a question um, sort of in lines of what I just asked David um, you know I think one of the the concerns that's been sort of brought to the surface in the industry over the last several years is that sort of one-size-fits-all golf swing. Uh, and we've certainly discovered here uh, in recent years that that's not true, that, you know, everybody's different, you know, everybody's unique. Um, from your experience with IMAP and obviously being a, a, a member on their advisory board, um, how do you see this really opening doors that maybe weren't open before for the teacher professional, for the student, um, at any level, a student that could be a PG professional or LPJ, but uh, also even for the amateurs. What additional benefits do you foresee um, coming out of this uh, process? Um, that's pretty simple, Ted. And uh, I've, I've been kind of preaching this to the choir as we, as we continue to build IMAP Golf. But, uh, uh, and I think I'll draw a smile or two from my colleagues as I say this. But uh, if I want to have a uh, mental coach, I right. have a pick of about I have a pick of about maybe three thousand decent ones in America uh, right. that you could start. You could start with uh, um, Sean Foley and uh, or not Sean Foley, but uh, uh, several of the other well-known mental coaches, but you won't hear the word emotion come out of mm-hmm. their 
uh, teachings. They might parenthetically say feelings and emotions, but what IMAP has isolated is a way to deal with the emotional aspect of the game. And having been a guy who's had the gips, a guy yeah. who's lost three uh, lost three tournament playoffs. Mm-hmm. I understand what it is to gag when the t- when right. the, uh, <laughs> time to play is. And when I saw the product, I said, "You guys have got real estate in the golf business that nobody else has." And uh, right. um, I've been kind of the uh, uh, cardinal of emotional intelligence for uh, for IMAP Golf and. Uh, if you look at our website, mm-hmm. you'll see that we reference uh, the greatest players of all time that would include Tiger and Arnold and Annika, yep. all of whom specifically talk to managing emotions on the golf course being the key to win- that every single champion winner has. And that's, you know, that's what Connie has, and that's what IMAP has, and that's what drew me to the product Oh, 20 years ago, Connie? Something like that, anyway. Uh, Connie, I don't know if you picked that up. Peter was asking uh, um, or making reference to you. Did you hear that or no? Yeah, I did. And, and <laughs> you're right, I was uh, I was chuckling, Peter. <laughs> and, yeah, it was about 20 years ago that, that we first met and, and started this journey. And um, I think one of the biggest changes that we've made over these years is uh, like Dave said, when he first started, he um, had to fill out this questionnaire that was paper and pencil. Well, now, given right. the evolution of technology, we've been able to create a simpler version of the questionnaire. We still have the high-performance one that we use in corporate environments, but the, the simpler version of this questionnaire that now can be used specifically for golf, and now you can um, get it in your living room. Wow. Now, Connie, um, Ted, Ted, let me just shift. Sarah, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead, Jamie. I just wanted to chime in a little bit more on what Peter was talking about in terms of emotional intelligence and really getting, you know, I think we all know that what derails us a lot of times mm-hmm. uh, are our emotional reactions on the golf course. I mean, we get bummed out, we get pissed off, you know, we get upset. Right. Sometimes we even get so happy and overexcited that we don't perform as well, right? Um, right. And so, right. you know, managing our emotions, we always talk about the mental game. We don't talk about kind of the emotional or emotional mental game right enough. And, and I think one of, the brilliant good, things about, one of the brilliant things about IMAP is that it focuses on what we each need in order to feel good and perform our best. And then what happens to us when those needs aren't getting met or when we move into our stress reactions. And, um, you know, I think that that is so important because it's the stress that undoes us. It's the stress that gets in the way of making a two-foot putt or a six-foot putt or making a swing. And so when we can understand those stress reactions, which are, you know, come out as negative thoughts or emotions uh, that, that, uh, you know, upset our ability to perform, well, we need to be able to manage that. We need to know a lot more about that. And so I think that's part of the real estate that Peter's talking about that just right. isn't covered by, by most things. And IMAP, I think, is very strong in that way. 
Right. And, and you know, you're, you're exactly right. You know, the, the industry is starting to recognize and has, you know, for a few years now, um, the importance of, of emotions and, and starting to have that discussion before, you know, we talked about the mental game and it was more from a strategic uh, standpoint on the golf course um, because, you know, Nicholas and, and you know, Arnold uh, and, and even Tiger talked about that. Um, but really sort of a, another part of the equation, Peter, as you pointed out, is the emotional side you know, what people bring to the golf course, you know, and I hear many times an example, you know, if you've just had a big, uh, you know, difficult board meeting and now you're coming to the golf course and you're still, you know, spinning those thoughts through your, your process, or maybe you've had a, 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 a go or two at home with your spouse and now you've headed to the golf course, you're now bringing that baggage, if you will, of emotions and uh, a lot of times it's being affected. So obviously your product, uh, Connie, is is going to be able to help um certainly not in, in those specific areas but certainly going to be able to help give you a better an assessment of what's going on with with the different uh, uh students and so forth and executives that you're dealing with and you're going to be able to have the necessary tools uh to be able to help them manage that that uh, side of their um psyche if you will better which will ultimately uh improve out in the golf course correct yeah, and I think one of the things I'd also like to circle back on, we talked about how there's been this trend of one size fits all with the swing, and we know that that's wrong. And, right. and really when it comes to, to understanding the person, there's a complexity variable that we really need to grasp as well. And so our approach is, is really, it's not starting with a methodology, but it's starting with an understanding of the individual. And when we understand your uniqueness and, and what it is that causes you to move from strength to stress, then we know how to help you manage those variables that, that would cause that turn. We call it the stairway to golfing hell, you know. <laughs> and there are things that you can do at that point in time when the behavior starts to move from strength to stress that can keep you in control of your game. And, and that's going to be unique to each individual. So that's why this assessment process is so important, because to figure this out on your own, you can do it, but it takes a lot of time. And that's sure. one thing we don't have in the corporate environment or on the golf course anymore. We don't have the patience to wait. And, and so by using this tool, we actually get ahead of the curve in our ability to understand the uniqueness of that person and what's going to make a difference in their performance. Do you think, uh, well said, uh, Connie, thank you. Um, do you think, and this is a general question to anybody that wants to come in, um, that there has been a greater emphasis on, uh, made by the industry as a whole on things like swing mechanics and um, you know, short game and all these things, of course, are important, um, and not enough on what we're talking about tonight. And the, the truth of the matter is, as Nicholas put, um, you know, 90% of the game is between the ears and not, you know, uh, um, you know, with the golf club. And I think that well, there's a yeah. certain element, right? I mean, I know that's, that's yeah, watering yeah. it down, well, but it's, that's it's, essentially what we're saying, the same right? Thing, it's the same thing everywhere. Um, you know, whether you're in a company or whether you're, you're dealing with a golfer, the, the, the same thing happens. Is it sure. easier to focus on what's hard, what's measurable, what's tangible? And, and, you know, we can, we can see a club. We can look at the performance with, you know, um, video cameras or launch monitors or anything like that. We, and all the things that are collecting metrics these days are easy right. to do when it comes to the physical side of the game. The hard part 
is what's between the ears. And until now, right. there hasn't been a way to really get at that. And, and that's where the tools that we've developed here now turn what's typically considered soft into hard. We now have mm-hmm. measurable metrics that will define the emotional side of the game. That's never been there before. And right. so I think the industry, whether it's corporate or whether it's even just specifically the golf, has always gone towards the easier part, which is measurable. Not that that's easy. I don't want to diminish it by any sure. means. Right. But it, it's tangible. You know, we can, we can look at ball flight. We can, you know, look at speed. We can look at all of these things. And then that's what business focuses on, and that's what the golf industry focuses on, because we can get our hands around it. Yeah, and, and I think also, too, it, it, and also because sorry, also because it's it's packageable, saleable, right. marketable at, at with with high priced items. Yeah, that's exactly. The, that's the, that's the industry. That's the industry part of the game. Right. Um, yeah. Sorry, Jamie. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I always say it's the putter, not the putter. You know, it's the driver, not the driver. And um, right. we you know we focus on the driver club, and what about the driver person? Yeah, right. the show we were we were just at the PGA show uh, last month in Orlando, and every year it's like wow, it's kind of like this Disneyland of technology and the latest uh, developments to, to help golfers. You know, we got chips you can put on every club and get all kinds of metrics on your swing speed and your distance and you know all kinds of stuff, which is just awesome. Um, at the same time, where IMAP comes in is in what I would call human technology. And that's what right. I was talking about. Some metrics whereby we can actually get a picture and get some measurements and get our hands and articulate more really who the driver or the person is or the putter the person is <laughs> so that, you know, that, that's the place that we can come in. And for me, it's like in business, I, I tend to be one of the human resource kind of uh, business trainers. And I always tell people, you know what, we're going to go beneath the bottom line today. We can have all of our OD charts and our budgets and plans and everything else, um, but what we really need is to understand ourselves better and be sure that our communication and our relationships are going well. Then we can actually execute all of those plans. Right. I, I agree. I think the other thing, and you, you raised an interesting point, um, Jamie, you know, uh, obviously I didn't make it down, unfortunately, this year to the uh, to the show, but um, obviously I've been there a number of times before, and, and you're right, the technology is just uh, coming leaps and bounds and it's very exciting it's very interesting um but again it's very limited to the area that it really handles um and i always said this on the show in earlier is um these technologies are great as a tool for the coaches um and the teacher professionals to be able to uh, draw certain uh, data but um they also have to have a little bit of a human factor involved because, you know, there's going to come a day when the batteries die or the power goes out and that technology is not available. So you need to have the proper tools to be able to continue on with that lesson. And unfortunately, what's happened, and Jamie, I know you've seen it, and Dave as well, I'm sure you've seen it, um, especially some of the young up-and-coming uh, instructors out there, um, really through no fault of their own, but just the way the industry, um, Peter, I think, as you mentioned, is driving it uh, is, you know, they're becoming so wrapped up in the technology that, um, I mean, I've seen people and heard people complain that their instructors aren't even watching them anymore. They're looking at a monitor uh, and a screen. So they're, mm-hmm. you know, that sort of human contact is, is happened. And, and again, I don't want to, I'm not trying to bash uh, this technology, but at the same time, uh, it needs to be put in its proper place. And I think sometimes 
uh, for lack of better words, it gets abused a little bit. Um, Connie, I want to go back to you real quick, uh, if we can. Um, you were recently on the Golf Channel talking uh, about IMAP Golf with Charlie uh, Reimer. Tell us a little bit about your experience there. <laughs> that was great fun. And uh, what we did, and Charlie was um, really interested in how this could Im- impact his game as well. So he and Matt actually took the questionnaire and it produced their reports and we took a snapshot of it. And I was actually able to interpret it for both of them while we were um, on air. And uh, it really described the difference between the two of them because uh, we looked just specifically at the differences in the way they make decisions. And Matt was, mm-hmm. was more prone to just making impulsive decisions. So, you know, he might just grab a club out of his bag and hit at the ball, whereas Charlie would take his time and evaluate things more strategically. So we just had a lot of fun on air using the two of them to actually illustrate the differences in their approach to the game. Let, so now that, let me ask you, we're, sure. we're, e- we're either or, um, or both um, surprised at some of the results that uh, came out of the uh, process? Were, were any of them kind of, uh, you know, say, wow, I didn't really think about that or I didn't really know that about myself? Was any of that sort of un- unraveled? I think it was more validating, and and part of it is when you get people who are that much into the game of golf, they already have a level of awareness. We talk about awareness from three different perspectives. First of all, it has to be accurate. So the Mm -hmm. image that you're reflecting to the world is sharp and clear. The second is it has to be authentic, which means it captures the you on the inside, not just the you on the outside. And then the third is you need to be able to articulate it, talk about it in a way that other people get it. So it was that third aspect that I think was surprising to both of them was it gave them a language for talking about some experiences that they were having on a daily basis when they were playing golf. And it gave them a way for expressing it to each other that they had never been able to do. Right. Yeah. And, and, you know, that's the thing is you're right. When you get to that level of player, um, especially this day and age, most of them are much more self-aware um, do you see the, and I want to ask, and again, this is, I'm going to open the floor to, to anyone that wants to, to jump in here. Um, let's go to the amateurs for a second. Obviously, this is very new for them. Many of the professionals that, that I'm sure that you guys have worked with uh, or have exposed to, to IMAP over the, the years that you've been doing it, um, get it. But for the amateur that just says, well, you know, I just want to go out and, you know, yeah, I want to be able to hit the ball better and things like that. Um, how are you sort of introducing this to, to the, the less skilled golfers uh, to the newer golfers. And Dave, why don't we st- – actually, I'll start with you, Dave, and then anybody else that wants to come in. Um, uh, how are you sort of introducing it to them and saying, this is something that, that you really need to, to do and, and here's why? Um, how do you sort of navigate that water with, with some of the newer golfers that maybe just don't understand the importance? Well, it, it, it's it's really pretty simple. In fact, I think it's more simple with um, – a newer golfer that, that is being introduced to the game because it's really starting mm-hmm. with a process where I'm saying, look, I, I need to know a little bit more about you. Uh, I need to understand what it is that mo- will, will motivate you to do the work you're going to need to do to develop the skill to be uh, proficient at this game, to stay in it as a lifelong uh, player. Uh, and uh, by just simply by introducing it that way that the starting point is – let me kind of take a look at what's going on inside you so that this this journey we're going to go on um, 
uh, we we uh, we shorten that learning curve. I don't have to to uh, do the trial and error uh, method and try to figure out how to connect with them. We, you, you connect immediately because I really know that, that what's inside that person. So most of the time with the newer uh, uh, golfers, it's uh, it's actually easier. With someone who's a bit seasoned, they've had all kinds of um, you know like like every every golfer as you go along, somebody's somebody's got an opinion and somebody's going to yes. <laughs> you know they're going right. to share that and and you know right. that, that starts with well I, I think your left ankle is out of position when you're doing the thing and you know so mm-hmm. um, and I I, I want to kind of go back to the. Uh, actually, what we were talking about with the merchandise show, because this 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 show made me really think about that we we have gotten so caught up in collecting data, yeah, and being able to project this data, you know, whether it's launch monitors, whether it's simulators or anything like that, we have been we we've gotten so good at capturing something that we already know. I'm, I don't need a launch monitor to tell me that I've hit a shot that's a low trajectory and it's curving to the right. You know, that that seems like it's some magical thing and that all of a sudden instructors are, are using a launch monitor to tell them that, you know, what what you can look at with your eye and see ball flight. <laughs> it's, it's right. Cool. But that that really hit me at the show this year that, that we've got all of this, all of this stuff that's all brand new that's telling us something that we already know and yeah. and what we what we don't know is what is going on inside that person what it is that is, is uh, um, what, what they're going to get out of the game how do we get them engaged in it so that they get some intrinsic and extrinsic benefit from from the game and that's that's really for us that's the the internal game um, that's revealed through IMAP yeah, and and you're exactly right. And I just want to add a quick point on that, you, um, Dave, about the show, uh, and then then we'll we'll continue on. But um, you're exactly right. And and one of the criticisms that I hear from uh, you know students out there that have gone, I, I don't. I'll be on, quite honest. Uh, I'm more of a traditionalist. I certainly understand the technology. I use a little bit of it. I don't get as hard hard and heavy uh, as a lot of professionals out there, just for that very reason. I think there's just too much data. Uh, information and I think what I've heard from a lot of people that have had that experience is that the information becomes overwhelming. Uh, it's really meant for the coach's assessment, not for the students. And I think a lot of times, uh, as I said, especially the younger coaches and teachers coming up in the ranks, uh, a lot of them get caught up in the technology and it's kind of exciting and it's new and they want to kind of show it off a little bit. And you know they've had uh, hands-on. Uh, you know, knowledge and, and instruction in it. So they're familiar with the process, but a, a lot of that time is then trying to explain to the student what all this, you know, the bells and whistles do. And the students, you know, sitting there like a slot machine with its, you know, his or her eyes rolling in the back of their head thinking, you know, what's all this stuff mean? Um, but at the end of the day, you know, what's it going to really do for the golf swing? And when I get over that three foot putt that I've got to make for my club champion uh, chip uh, or in my corporate event, um, you know how's it going to you know how's that going to help me when my knees are knocking? And the truth exactly. is, it's not exactly right. It, it's I not. Mean, it, you're, you're exactly right. Yeah, Ned, you want to you don't want to get over that three foot putt with a stream of data running through your head of all of the 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 mechanics and the things that can happen and all of that. You want to get over that putt with 
a sense of calm and confidence and, and all of the, and that comes from self understanding. Yeah, I mean that that's really the the uh, the basis of it. Right. Ted, if it, I could just jump in here with one other point sure. on this, because I think this is really relevant. You know, one of the things that has been a consistent theme at the at the PGA show for the last several years is the decline of the number of golfers. And you could argue yes. back and forth what the data is really telling us, but it's still a common theme that you keep hearing. And one of the things that we get at, which is why Dave and I also wrote this book, Back on Course, is we think we figured out what it is that will keep people on course. And, and then it can roll up into how you use it from a business standpoint. But what we can identify is what motivates a person to play. And we think that's a critical element to the game and, and where the whole industry is at right now is really about yep. motivation. And, mm-hmm. and it's going to be different for different people. Some people are going to be motivated by, you know, the latest, you know, widget that's put out there for the game. Right. Yeah. Yep. You know, and, and there are a lot of, lot of companies that are betting on the fact that there are enough people out there that want to buy the, the latest driver. You know, but there are other people that are just motivated by the, the pure zen of the game. And, and so sure. understanding in advance what those hidden motivators are is what's going to keep people in the game. So that's what Dave was saying. When you know that, not only do you know how to help them improve faster, but you also know those triggers that are going to keep them motivated to play. And I think that's what the industry really needs. Yeah, and, and you know, the other thing, just add one more thing, and then I want to, Connie, I want to ask you about something else. Um, I, I think one of the, the the, the truth of it is that the industry here lately has talked about, well, we want to put the fun back in the game. We want people to go out and have fun, and they're throwing that word around a lot. And the truth of the matter is, and I'm certainly not trying to do a, a broad brushstroke here, but there's a lot of people that I've spoken to that said, you know, they're not having fun anymore. It's become too difficult. Um, it's actually become more difficult than it was 20 years ago for a lot of people out there. And the truth of the matter is, if the golfer is not having fun they're not going to prioritize it in their busy schedule. And obviously time is a big factor for a lot of people as we're all, you know, doing different things, uh, family obligations, business obligations, and things like that. So we're very uh, critical of our time management. But if you have something that you really enjoy and you're passionate about, um, you'll make time for that. So people will make time for golf. But if it's become so complicated and so um, regimented and I've got to do this and I've got to do that. Um, and you know, I've got to, you know, whatever you want to put in there. Um, then people are going to say, you know what, I just don't have time for it anymore. It's just, it's too much, too involved now. Uh, I'm not really having as much fun as I used to. And they're dropping away from the game or they're backing off considerably. And I think that's part of the reason why we've seen the decline. And, you know, the industry, as you said, can argue back and forth, but the truth of the matter is I know personally, a lot of people that don't play as much anymore and the bottom line is they're not enjoying it, and that's why they've gotten away from the game to the extent. Um, um, Connie, I want to go um, back to you. Ted, Ted, yes. Ted, can I just um, say something here? I kind of circle back on uh, this point about stress. When we start yes. getting stressed out, most of us, we stop having fun. <laughs> and right. So um, right. it really helps to be able to, oh, my God, you know, here I am. I'm having my stress reaction, and, oh, my gosh, I have some I have some ability to have that self-awareness, and I also have coaching uh, that I've been able to internalize, or I can just look up. I can even just look up my IMAP on you know, that I've got right here, or my coach can help me with it, and 
oh, boy, now I have some strategies that I can pull myself back from that, and I can start having fun again out there and, and doing better. Another aspect exactly. of the IMAP, another um, aspect that IMAP measures is how we, how we relate to others on the golf course. So kind of mm-hmm. a social aspect of it and how yes. we're influenced by it, how we relate to others. And we just did an event uh, with a corporate group uh, a few weeks ago with some uh, business executives, CEOs, and we went through their I'm at my golf uh, reports in the morning, and then we were out there, on, out there on the golf course, and I got to play a few holes with everybody, and it was really interesting. Uh, for example, this one, one CEO started playing badly, and he's generally a pretty sociable, friendly guy, but uh, he was going, oh, I just read in my report this morning, and I see it right now. I'm, I'm not hitting the ball well. I'm feeling embarrassed. Now I'm getting agitated. I'm speaking yep. up. I'm not having fun. I'm withdrawing from everybody else. I'm making snide remarks. <laughs> and he was losing his fun, losing his, uh, the impressions he was making from a business standpoint uh, with his playing partners. And he was playing poorly. So he was able to just, with that awareness from his reports, go, oh, my gosh, this is what's happening, and make the adjustments he needed to so he could have more fun, be managing his relationships better on the course, and play better golf. Yeah, and, and that that's it. You hit it right on the head. Yeah, you hit it right on the head, Jamie. Um, Connie, tell us about what is IMAP My Team? What is uh, uh, that process? Yeah, IMAP My Team is uh, gives you a dashboard on your team, and we actually developed it at the request of a client uh, who we had been doing a lot of work at the executive level. And she said to us, I love what you do at the executive level, but I have a 2,000-person organization here, How, but I, and I can't afford it all the way down at, at the 2,000-person level. So what do we do? So what we did is we created a software tool that connects people and builds relationships in the organization. So when people take this questionnaire, and this is using the high-performance questionnaire, they actually get some information about themselves that teaches them things like how to succeed under pressure or what to avoid with me. And then this collaboration tool is a very open environment. That person can also see, oh, what do I need to avoid with my boss, (laughs) you know, or or how do I present to my boss? If they have dirt, they get insight right away on how to uh, coach them, how to bring out the best in them, how to motivate them. And you can look at an entire team and instantly see where you might be having gaps in your team. If everybody is too much alike, you might be missing somebody that would bring a critical element or critical dimension to your team. So it, it creates not only a map of an individual, but then gives you a view of your whole organization or your team and then gives everybody, empowers everybody with the information so that they can apply it and, um, you know, build those relationships a lot more quickly. Right. Um, and and I, I agree 100%. I, I want to um, – I want us to to talk about, since we've alluded to it a number of times in the discussion tonight, about business golf. And and, uh, I want to read something that uh, that Jamie had sent me. uh, I believe this, David, is from from the website. Um, And since we're talking about stats, I'm just going to read out a couple. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I'll just read a few stats from within the the paragraph that she sent. Um, Golf is still considered to be um, the number one leisure time activity 
uh, among uh, business professionals as well as leading uh, a leading recreational activity at corporate events, uh, meetings, conventions, and so on and so forth. 80%, here's a stat for 80% of top executives of Fortune 500 companies are golfers. So there's two reasons on its own, uh, Peter, would you agree, um, for those in the business world, and not necessarily Fortune 500, if 80% of the top uh, Fortune 500 company executives are out playing golf um, and using it as an effective business tool, there's a reason that maybe uh, some of the other folks out in business need to consider uh, adding that to their uh, repertoire, if you will. Uh, yeah, I, I can in a couple of ways. Uh, the first one uh, will be in character, and it will generally be a wisecrack. And uh, right. <laughs> that that usually goes something like this. You know, on Monday morning when the board meets, they're not talking about the opera. Right, secondly, right. <laughs> Secondly, if you if you look at uh, Connie and Dave's book, uh, Back on Course, uh, they invited me to uh, make a contribution, and I asked them uh, whether or not the fact that golf is truly responsible for getting ESPN started would make a good story. Well, of course, you know what the answer to that was. And, I, right. and I'll tell you that. Bill Rasmussen, the founder, and my golfing uh-huh. buddy, was the play-by-play announcer of the Hartford Whalers who got fired. Mm-hmm. And he asked me about six months later if I thought all sports television would work. And the next thing you know, we had started an organization that grew to become ESPN and went on the air 18 months later. Um, how did that happen? Well, because Bill and I bought the rights at one point to the uh, tour stop in uh, Hartford, Connecticut, the radio rights, and we broadcast Mm -hmm. it. And we found that we had a good relationship, a good working relationship. And the next thing you know, the opportunity came along. It's a very long story. If you read Connie's book, you'll get a taste of it. You'll also get Mm -hmm. some other ones, too. but there's absolutely no doubt. I've I've had a reasonably successful career, and every single relationship that I can think of, uh, I can directly attribute back to golf. And right, uh, you know, whether it be uh, the ten years that I spent uh, uh, working with Mo Norman and and developing the communication tools around the people who marketed his way to play, or right. Uh, doing things for the PGA Tour, uh, or doing things for companies like United Technologies and DuPont and PPG. They're all golf-related, and uh, uh, I can really uh, track some of my successes to that, and meeting Connie, of course. Right. And and uh, just on a side note, I actually um, uh, had the pleasure of playing with Mo uh, a couple times over the years when I was still back up in Canada. <laughs> And uh, How good very interesting. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's, in fact, I have a club. Uh, I don't even put it in my bag, but it, it was um, one of the products that, of course, Natural Golf was. Uh, I think it's a, a beryllium copper. I think it's a five wood, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, you know, we, actually, we, caught, we, caught, yeah. we caught lightning in a bottle with those clubs. I still play those oh, woods. Yeah. I, oh, yeah. They're, in, they're, in my, they're great. In yeah, my trophy case, I have Mo's wedge. Yeah, 
<laughs> yeah, we'll have to we'll have to have you back, Peter. We'll talk about uh, Mo and and some other things. But um, uh, yeah, I just wanted to throw that there. He he was a very interesting man. Um, very uh, very passionate about his his play and that. Um, David, I want to ask you as well, and then Jamie, I'll give you an opportunity. Uh, obviously, you guys uh, incorporate a lot of uh, uh, business golf. Uh, each touch, um, again, Dave, I'll go with you first, and then Jamie, I'll let you wrap it up on that. But um, just the importance of working with some of the executives that you have, um, some of the things that they're, they're looking to uh, in, increase upon uh, for business, and, and why is it so important to them to have uh, golf uh, in the mix? Well, I, I, I think that um, since since Connie and I published our book, there's there's actually a new infographic out that um, uh, was uh, published by uh, Forbes writer. It, it's actually now ninety percent of right. um, that 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 play the game, and uh, and and really, you know, kind of the the, the catalyst for the book was when Connie and I were doing the executive golf schools, um, you know, certainly we, you know, you, you fix somebody's slice, they think you can um, also fix their bottom line. But um, <laughs> the, the combination of, of what we did at those executive golf schools would get those people coming to us and saying, so how do I use golf now as a tool? You know, they, they loved everything about um, uh, the game. They understood all of the the cultural uh, kind of uh, pinnings of the game, you know, of, of uh, self discipline and and uh, uh, self policing and and being honest and and uh, um, and all of those things. And you know, we we began to kind of coach um, executives not only on how to uh, you know use this information within their companies, but how to use the, the, the game of golf to, you know, recruit employees to, um, uh, to, to prospects for business and things like that. So that, that all kind of led to the genesis of the book. And, and, um, and actually uh, I, I am, I, I work with, um, uh, you know, very highly placed executive uh, types uh, every day at the, at the club. Um, mm-hmm. And our, our, our kind of mission since coming out with the book is um, golf and business didn't take a break uh, when the economic downturn happened. It right. just moved into the shadows. It, it really just moved into the shadows. And um, the idea behind the book is to bring it out of the shadows and show, uh, number one, that you know why it's important, um, uh, what it can mean uh, to an executive uh, if they if they embrace the game and use it uh, as part of their business strategy, uh, and then gives them uh, ways in which to do that. It gives them kind of a uh, a guidebook, if you will, for uh, for using the game. So uh, right, you know, from from my standpoint, they there there isn't business and golf. There's they are so intermingled. Uh, that um, uh, I, I, I don't separate them. Right. Um, Jamie, there's another aspect, I guess, you know, as a business person, having uh, golf incorporated or, or intertwined, as, as Dave just pointed out, 
Um, and, and you sort of alluded that a little bit to the example uh, that you gave a few moments ago. But um, the other thing is that it is also a, a great tool for not just networking and, you know, obviously uh, drumming up business, but it's also a way of, of observing um, not only employees, uh, how they handle themselves on the golf course, but also uh, prospective clients. Um, you can tell a lot from a person, you know, with uh, three or four hours out in a golf course. And um, I'm sure that a lot of your clients have expressed that, you know, what they've learned uh, incorporating golf in their business life, how valuable that's been. It's not just about making deals, but it's also about drawing assessments um, with, with, you know, as I said, maybe a sales team or, or even uh, prospective clients. They're able to, to gauge what type of individual they're doing business with or is working for their company by having them on the golf course, correct? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that... What happens on the golf course in business is that it's like a litmus test. <laughs> you know, you really get right. to, uh, to learn, you know, to learn about people, and it's like your playing partners are potentially your working and business partners, and so, and you're learning about them. You're also revealing a lot about yourself. Um, in that regard, IMAP is really a very helpful tool because if you're more self-aware, you can handle yourself better on the golf course. And you know, the other part is that you want better golf skills. So. With our golf schools, what we try to do is to both build golf skills so that you, you know, you're, you're better on the golf course and certainly at least better with etiquette and all of that sort of thing, but that you're also uh, really paying attention to what you're revealing about yourself and what you're learning about your playing partners because that's, that's the relationship and rapport building is clearly the, the basis for relationship. And that's why sometimes we, we of course, we call the, the golf course a four- or five-hour sales call, that kind of thing. Uh, something else I would add is that uh, Connie and Dave have developed some really awesome, unique, innovative experiences using the golf course at, to simulate the business experience. And since I started working with them, I've just been, you know, fortunate to, to get to join in the, the value and the fun of those experiences. So, for example, uh, there's a team tee-off, uh, which is divided in nine holes. There's three different sections of three holes. But basically the the team and the strategy uh, that goes on, the leadership, the relationship, that all comes out in the team tee-off. There's strategic scramble. Uh, there's right. driving it through the grass feeling, which is a program for women. Tony and Dave can tell you more about uh, there's There's some sure. other programs for sales, you know, um, helping with the, uh, sales people using the golf course. So it's like you don't really have to do a ropes course to do team building. You can do it on the golf course, use golf, use the IMAP assessments, and just really help your golf game and your business game and your leadership, your empowerment, your awareness, all kinds of stuff comes out. So highly valuable and really fun experiences. Well, hey, Ted, now, Connie, I'd, like this to, I'd like to add to that, sure. Ted, if I could. Sure. Yeah, One, yes, please. The, ge the genius of, of what Connie and Dave put together in these programs is it totally involves the non-golfer which overcomes the objection of what about the people I have on my team who don't play golf? And right. it makes it an, attract, an attractive day. Um, always, when I was managing some golf down at a uh, resort in Florida, the meeting planners were, what are you going to do with the non-golfers? Well, <laughs> they've got the answer to it, and it's really cool. Um, I'm sure it, if you ask her, Connie will be able to describe how it works. Right, Connie. Thank um, you for saying that, Peter. That's so true. 
yeah, everybody can be involved, golfers and not. And it really is a genius, uh, the way that these programs have been designed by Connie and Dave. So tell us, Connie, uh, since Peter just gave you a great lead-in, <laughs> tell us a little bit about <laughs> you, uh, some of the some of the programs that that. Uh, and that's a great point for non-golfers out there. There's lots of folks, of course, that play golf, but there's also plenty that don't. And maybe uh, uh, maybe at some point in the future might uh, get into the game. But uh, for those that don't, uh, how do you handle that uh, particular group? Well, like I remember doing a program once where I think we had like about 25 people and 18 of them had never played golf before. And it's a, it's a program we call a team tee-off. And we really use the golf course um, as, as a classroom. And, you know, what we do is we, it's like playing a giant board game out on the golf course. And we put people in little business teams and they're given a pot of money, and their whole goal is to be able to uh, get a, a return on investment of that money. And so they put their strategies together in advance, and then once they leave the clubhouse, they have to implement the strategy that they put together. And it involves people, tools, and targets, uh, three holes for each. And so we, we compensate for the non-golfers by having things like uh, consultants out there, which are golf pros that can take a shot for them if it's too difficult. It costs them right. some money, but then they, they have to oh. make a business decision. Is it worth the money? So right. there are a lot of different tools and techniques in the process to compensate for the non-golfer. But the, the important part is when you get back at the end of the day, um, you know, the, the conversation is how is this similar to or different from what happens at work? And the right. insights are just profound. Because in a very safe environment, they've been able to illustrate what happens in the work environment, but they've never been able to talk about. And so we um, are able to facilitate some pretty deep conversations that will go back to, <laughs> back to the work environment in a very practical way. Yeah, and that's a that's a really great uh, approach to it as well. Because, you know, if you think about it, you're, you're exactly right. There's a lot of people... Um, you know, in the workplace that, uh, and this is why I think golf and, and, uh, and our everyday life really kind of go hand in hand and, and especially our business life, because, um, you know, much like in our personal lives and business lives, uh, out in the golf course, we're faced with many challenges and, and decisions have to be made. And, uh, I like the team approach because again, that simulates what goes on, uh, back at the office. You know, it's not just one person always pulling the strings. Sometimes it's, it's a group effort depending on the circumstances. So, this really helps them to be able to work through some of the, uh, the problem solving, uh, if you will, uh, in a in a fun way without having to worry about um, you know necessarily answering to anybody, but uh, um, and and just you know adding a, a little little money or something or some other uh, uh, incentive. But this really opens up a door for um, companies to to have their employees engage and um, making it fair enough that. Um, you know, you don't all have to be great golfers. You can have some non-golfers in there that can participate and give their input as well. So everybody kind of gets a role, correct? Yeah, yeah and, well, and, and I'll tell only... you a kind, of, kind of fun story about this, too. One of the first times we did this, it was for a healthcare company, and we had the CEO and his, his team that were participating in this. And we divide them up <clears> into teams, and the CEO was on this one team, and, and one of his his uh, people on his team was a woman who happened to be eight months pregnant. So in their strategy session, he really sandbagged. And mm. so they get out there on the, on the fairway and, and I'm watching this from the sidelines. 
he's out there banging his club on the fairway going, I want to change this strategy. <laughs> because <laughs> they were actually having to intentionally miss putt because they were playing so well. And so the, the way the game is set up, you have to hit targets and things like that. So they, it just killed him to have to intentionally miss a putt. Well, we get back in at the end of the day, and, um, you know, everybody is debriefing what they saw, how it was. And I just happened to bring up, I said, yeah, you should have seen Jim out there. You know, he was banging his club on the fairway going, I want to change the strategy. The room went silent. Right. <laughs> you know, nobody breathed anything until one guy kind of said, you do that to us all the time. Right. And that just. He so the CEO turns and he goes, Really? You mean I'm changing yeah. the strategy all the time? And it just led to this really, really important conversation that they needed to have. Yeah. So and, it's, and, it's and amazing to, what it yeah, brings out. Yeah, and that goes to exactly that was a that was a great uh, a great uh, story that you shared. But Jamie, that goes back to what I just said a few moments ago. You know, you learn a lot. Um it's not just about how to play golf and learning to, to play the game. Um by by incorporating into business golf, you actually learn a lot about one another, uh, out, how people handle things under stress. And this is where, uh, as well, Connie, your your product, uh, IMAP Golf, really comes into play because now people are able to to really, uh, you know, get into um, the inner nuances of of their psyche, if you will, to 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 explain how they handle things. And and you know, this really can open up a lot of doors. And I see it being a great uh, a great tool, and obviously you guys have done it well. Um, I, I just want to add, I, I mentioned earlier that I was going to throw out a few things uh, in, in from your bios, and I just want to read something just for the listeners out there just to give you an idea of, of who we're, we're dealing with here on the show. Connie Charles, of course, as I mentioned, is the CEO and founder of IMAP uh, Strategy, uh, Strategic Solutions, pardon me, and uh, also IMAP Golf, as well as uh, Dave Bisbee uh, is the co-founder. Um, but also she serves as an executive coach uh, with a client base that includes Fortune 500 brands such as Boeing, Coca-Cola, and State Farm, just to name a few. So, you know, obviously, uh, you know, our guests here are working, and Dave, of course, is also working with uh, uh, many uh, Fortune 500 leaders as well. So um, this just goes to show you that obviously you guys have struck a nerve with IMAP. Would that be a fair assessment? Uh, no, I think we soothed so. a nerve. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's there true. Yeah, That's a great one, Connie. Go ahead, Dave. Sorry, Sorry Dave, you were going to say something. Or... I, 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 I don't kind of, that's a great way to put it. We, we've, uh, uh, you know, we, we have been um, working diligently for 25 years to become an overnight sensation, and that that's one of those uh, one of those things that when. Um, uh, when an opportunity comes along, which is like right now, with uh, as as we talked about the PGA show and the, the the focus on trying to move the needle, and where we think that that we can move the needle is um, through getting organizations, corporations, uh, the business golfer back to the golf course, taking it uh, taking advantage of everything that the game has to offer, um, and uh, and I and I think that being able to relate it not only to that this is something that, that helps them be a better golfer, it just helps them be a better and more successful person. And right. um, and being able to get it out there 
uh, in front of uh, people is, uh, uh, you know, doing things like this, being on a show, like your show. Right. Well, I appreciate that. Um, um, go has, ahead, Jamie. Yeah, just a, a couple thoughts are that, you know, we're starting to work more with uh, event planners, for example, who are looking for, uh, you know, a really interactive, a really fun, and yet a highly highly meaningful experience uh, for their retreats, for example, with their management teams or for their executive uh, uh, retreat. And so, you know, these are just great, great experiences that, uh, that they can have. So, it's, you know, it's not just kind of a speaker lecture um, or right. a, it's just a classroom experience. And when we can combine the indoor and the outdoor classroom and we're doing it through golf, that's just a tremendous kind of uh, thing that people who are in event planners are starting to get very excited about. We just did an event uh, only a couple weeks ago for Vistage International, which is uh, an organization of CEOs that, that I happen to speak for, and we held it out at Reunion Resort, and, mm-hmm. which is in Orlando, <laughs> and <Right>. in partnership <laughs> with the, the uh, PGA, the North Florida PGA, and several of pros uh, participated in the instruction, and they've been involved with IMAP Golf. We were really fortunate to use the facilities where Annika's Academy was up until last June, and it's just a tremendous facility. So, you know, uh, these kinds of partnerships, bringing together golf professionals and corporate events and teams, and then having a tool that is just so, so sophisticated as well as so much fun like IMAP, really presents an opportunity for some just tremendous kinds of uh, training and learning experiences that serve people, that serves them as golfers, that serves them as business people and executives, that even, and then they find, oh, this even serves me in being a, a better parent or better partner or better friend. Yeah, I, uh, you're, you're exactly right. Um, and I think the other thing, too, Jamie, with uh, with the corporate events, what, what, why I kind of like the approach that, that we've been talking about here tonight is, you know, traditionally, a lot of uh, companies uh, for years, you know, when they would have an event that obviously had golf in there, and, and as Connie, you had mentioned earlier and that, is, you know, there's a lot of people, you know, in the office that maybe don't play golf and kind of feel left out because, you know, the golfers are going to this event and they may go too, but they're kind of sitting in the background. So there's really nothing for them to do. Uh, and I'm sure it's not very exciting. And, and some of the strategies that you're incorporating into these events now allows people that traditionally are not golfers to be able to, you know, feel inclusive as well in, in the process. And, uh, and, you know, it's not just a matter of them sitting through lectures or seminars or what have you. Um, they're actually getting in on the fun, and yet at the same time, they don't have to be, uh, you know, a five handicap to be able to join in the fun. So I, I like the approach that you guys have taken with this. Um, Peter, I want to, uh, if you're still there, I want to bring you back into the mix a little bit here, and I want to move on to uh, another topic if we can, guys. Um, and that's women's golf and uh, some of the business uh, golf initiatives that are taking place right now. And, Peter, the reason I want to start with you, obviously being involved with ESPN, you see a lot of uh, different uh, sports uh, things going on. Um, What's your assessment of women's golf today, uh, and where do you think it needs to – what needs to happen within the industry um, to make some positive changes, if you will, um, in order to get more women involved in, in the game? Well, having six sisters, I guess I do have the only <laughs> the only male uh, uh, perspective that uh, uh, might be semi-legitimate, but uh, 
I think Connie might speak to that a little bit better. But my attitude about it, it I'm, I'm loving what is happening uh, with the LPGA. I'm right. loving what's happening. I'm loving what's happening with the SPNW, and uh, where I see the globalization of the women's game. Um, it's it's the PGA Tour has almost begun to react to it as they've started right. to talk about actually having a mixed team event which has always been my dream. I I started to build one when I was living in Naples, Florida. I think mixed team golf is such a blast that right. I've been playing I've been playing in in it competitively for years and I've got mm-hmm. a couple of really good players that uh, I look forward to getting together with every year and we and we try and whoop on people and uh, <laughs> it's it's fun. And right I also think you know the world is talking about uh, we got to bring kids into the game. You got to bring kids in. Well, the kids don't have the money, you know. Right. If you bring women into the, bring women into the expensive game, maybe you got a shot. And uh, yeah, a lot more of the intensity can be uh, uh, can be spent there. And if I may, because I know we might be sliding down toward the bottom of the hour and you may have some other plans, I just feel that somewhere along the line, in my golf DNA, I've always tried to figure out ways to give back to the game. And yes. uh, I created I created a, uh, an organization called Sober Golf uh, for those of us who are in recovery to uh it's kind of like a uh, recovery golfing dating service, if you would. Right. And uh, I've got another organization called Golf Fest, and that's that helps people fundraise. But Connie and I'm at my golf and I'm at my team, a perfect blend of those two products for the mm-hmm. Walker Cup, the Curtis Cup, even the Ryder Cup and the Solheim Cup would be a great gift to golf coaching. And I'm sure there would be trickle down benefit. I'll put yeah, a bow for on. sure. Okay. <laughs> well said. Um, I, I guess what what I'm what I'm looking for, and, and Connie and, and Jamie and, and Dave, of course, I want you all to to add some comments on this. But the reason why I sort of phrased the question the way I did is uh, I agree, Peter, with what you said about the LPGA and and uh, you know ESPNW and that. Uh, I think there's some great initiatives happening in the golf world. Um, and, you know, Sydney Miller and I, of course, uh, who uh, work together on the Women of Golf show Tuesday mornings, um, you know, we've had the pleasure of hosting some great business professionals uh, that, that were women that, you know, understand the benefits of golf. But there's still uh, a segment of the population of women who, um, you know, for whatever reason, whether it's a time management issue um, or what it is, just have not gravitated to the sport. And, you know, I'm wondering what we can do. And, and I like, Peter, uh, I agree exactly what you said about, you know, bringing more women and we'll get more kids involved. Um, there's lots of kids certainly involved in, in golf, but it's all through filter programs to um, mini tours and things like that and junior golf uh, camps and so forth, which is fantastic. But not everybody wants to be an astir- uh, aspiring LPGA or PGA professional. Um, we'd like to get them just out there to have some fun. So, um, Connie, I'm going to start with you, and then Jamie, I want you, and then also Dave as well. 
Um, what are some of the things that the industry specifically needs to change um, or, or do differently or what have you uh, in order to, to tap into that market, not just the business, uh, the women's markets, um, but just the, the average uh, you know, young lady out there that maybe hasn't been exposed to the game that uh, we, we need to at least introduce it? How do we go about doing that? Well, I, I'm not so sure. Maybe Jamie can comment on this. I'm not so sure. sure it's an industry issue as it is a business issue. And okay. it clearly, like like in the book, there's there's uh, stories of executives and how they have used golf. And my favorite is of an executive who was talking with his mentor. It was like early in his career when he hit his 30s, and he was like uh, trying to get advice on what grad school he should go to get his MBA. And his uh, boss slash mentor said to him, forget the MBA, go learn how to play golf. And he did. And it has, um, you know, he's now CEO of a major company in the Beltway. But, um, you know, I keep thinking, how come women aren't doing that? Because it will make a difference in your career. And and so that's where, yeah, women will take the time when they see the business value. And discretionary Mm -hmm. time is... I think more limited for women than it is for men. And and mm-hmm. so if it's made a part of the business environment, like you actually get, you know, to take a, a couple of days a year to go work on your golf game at a golf school, that, that that's what's going to get women into the game. And it's finding ways to get them up that learning curve much more quickly. And it, it's, it's, you know, as you were saying, you know, not every every kid wants to become a PGA pro, but, and it's the same with women. You don't need to get that far up to be able to use right. it for business purposes. And, and then it becomes part of your recreational life as well. But I think the starting point for women really needs to be in the corporate environment. And so we're, we're developing some, um, in fact, we've got an event where we're going to be sponsoring in June it's an invitation-only event, but for very senior women in corporations who really understand the connectedness of business and golf and how it can advance their careers. In fact, our, our motto is kind of the road to the top is a cart path. So, um, mm. you know, that's what we're helping women really understand. And, and then, then you'll give time for things that have a dual purpose, both recreational and business. Right, and, exactly. And, um, Ted, I might uh, jump in on uh, uh, kind of coattail here, but um, I, I think from an industry standpoint, because um, you know I actually, I actually go to work at a at a golf club every day, and and uh, am am in uh, the 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 industry on a day to day basis, and um, I've, I've I've said it before out loud in in front of our uh, industry peers. The, the the industry needs to uh, reclass the way they measure a golf experience. You know we're yeah. we're we're so um, uh, programmed, and and part of that is the business side of it that a, a golf experience is eighteen holes. Well, eighteen holes takes time, and eighteen holes cost money. Uh, uh, there are a lot of other ways to engage in the game and have a golf experience. Look at Top Golf. Um, yeah. You know the look at the millions of people that will go have a golf experience at a Top Golf facility, and I think there 
their statistics are that they're going to bring uh, 700,000 new players into the game um, this year. Uh, and it's because they're being introduced in a different way than you got to go stick a peg in the ground and you got to play 18 holes or that's not golf. So I think part of yes. it is the industry has to kind of change the way that they um, they approach and how, it, you know, to, to kind of change into bite-sized pieces the way someone can uh, engage in the game. Yes. Um, I think there's one yes, other thing, Jamie, I, I, go ahead. Yeah, ahead, I just Jamie. wanted to say when you were talking, yeah, kind of on the um, industry initiative side of it, the commissioner of the LPGA, Mike Wan, at the show gave a, a talk, and he said that the growth of girls' golf is from has doubled, I would say, more than doubled. I, I remember I helped right. start a girls' golf program, a girls' golf site in San Diego oh, more than a decade ago, and when there were 100-some sites, we're up to nearly 400 girls' golf sites, and girls golf, uh, LPGA, USG girls golf programs now are uh, it's like tenfold, something like 64,000 young girls are playing golf. Um, and so that's fantastic. And I remember just a couple of years ago we had a reunion uh, at Stanford. I, I went to Stanford, played a little bit on the golf team then. And so through all these, you know, three four decades there were uh, golfers who had played on the team. So, so many of them were 30, 40, 50 years old, and I talked with them, and they were obviously good players, good enough to play college golf, and they all said that their golf ability was the single most important business tool that they had, uh, in addition to whatever their expertise was in their particular area. You know, they were a lawyer or whatever, but it was their golf mm-hmm. game that served them so well, and having a good golf game. So, you know, what we're trying to do is with girls' golf sites, and then there are actually – uh, it's surprising the number of golf scholarships that are actually available out there for for young girls. So, um, and what we're finding now, and what we're trying to do is work with women who did not have that opportunity. They didn't become golfers when they were young, and so now right. they're in the business world. They realize they need to be in the game, both business wise and golf wise, and that golf is such an important tool. So, you know, it's it's. Um, getting in the game now and giving them those abilities. So that's what some of our trainings are about. Um, and Connie and I are developing more of them. Uh, we'll be coming out with those more. But the, the one that she just mentioned about invitation only, if anybody listening mm-hmm. to the program wants an invitation, they can certainly get in touch with us. Okay. Very well. Um, I think there's another segment of the market, though, that, that I want to just briefly touch uh, on, and then, then we'll, we'll sort of wrap things up. But um, – you know, I, I agree exactly with the comments that were just made. Uh, I think that there's a lot of women that uh, are in business that, that want to, um, you know, sort of add to their repertoire and, and maybe add it as a business tool. Uh, but there's also a segment of the population uh, of women who maybe are not business executives or maybe don't own their own business. Um, they might even be stay-at-home moms. And I think for a lot of them, their way of engaging in activities is involving their children. If their children are interested in something – then more often than not, they're going to be interested in. And I think another way for the industry to, to open a door that maybe uh, you know hasn't really – or a ring a bell that hasn't really been rung is to target more family golf. Um, and I think that by reaching out to, to women particularly and saying, okay, you don't have to necessarily be an executive, um, but if you've got some kids – we want to, you know, we have a program here where you can bring the kids to the golf course and then eventually, you know, uh, dad might get involved as well and it becomes a family affair. Um, 
you know, and I think that there's a market there as well that may be untapped right now. Um, your thoughts on that, uh, Dave or, or Connie or, or Jamie or Peter? I belong well, to I, a I club think that in. That Sorry, okay, go, ahead. go ahead, Peter. Uh, just to, to say that I think that that's a um, a, a very um, good um, uh, direction for uh, it. Uh, there are you know, family vacations and things like that right. uh, that um, uh, you know that are marketed to uh, resorts uh, that sure. that include <clears throat> some activities. Well, doing something that that was really to involve the family in uh, a learning experience in golf and then having a golf experience together uh, it, it is a, I think it's a great uh, way to uh, um, generationally uh, move the game along. Yeah, and, and, and I guess the reason why I, I sort of posed that thought is – you know, it's just been my experience, and I agree, Jamie and, and Dave and, and Peter and that and Connie, what, what you said, that the, there is some great opportunities for uh, executive women to, to, you know, get involved with golf, and, and there are many, many benefits. Um, but I, I think that we have to be careful that we don't sort of omit uh, a segment of the population that maybe doesn't fit into that category. Um, I mean, after all, just here, you know, in the United States, we're, you know, what, 300-plus million people here. Um, and I think last count, there was about 25 million uh, in the U.S. That, that actually played golf and, you know, whatever mixture or sprinkle you want as far as percentages. Um, so there's still many others that, that could come into the game uh, for future, and I think that there's, there's many, many ways that we've talked about tonight to grow the game, but I think there's other ways, and I'll give you a good example. You know, years ago, Las Vegas, um, and I know this isn't the greatest example, but it kind of proves the point, um, changed their philosophy to have more family activities um, as opposed to just sort of the hardcore gambling that they had other things that they, they did out there um, that were enticing families. Now, obviously they've kind of gone back a little bit to, to, uh, but, you know, I think the golf industry, because not everybody can afford to go to resorts, not everybody can afford to do that, but I think there's initiatives that maybe uh, could be taken, uh, you know, throughout the industry to, to get more family involvement. You know, dad may already be playing, mom may have already be playing, um, but I think this might be a great way through some different initiatives to get the family um, sort of out there doing stuff instead of the kids sitting at home playing, you know, or uh, t- tweeting or on Facebook or something like that, get the families involved. And I think the younger that the kids get involved, the more apt they're going to get, uh, you know, to playing golf as, as the years pass on. And then whatever they go from there, whether they play collegiately or just do it for fun uh, is, is entirely up to them. But do you see that um, – guys as, as maybe a, a door that could be open as well well anecdotally where where i play <laughs> uh as as we know uh, saturday morning and sunday morning are kind of like uh oceanside real estate those tea times mm-hmm. but uh mm-hmm. close to oceanside re- real estate is friday friday afternoon and friday evening and right when the, when the light uh, is long enough from six o'clock till sunset, which around here can be as late as nine fifteen or nine ten. Uh, a family can, for thirty dollars, uh, bring as many as four uh, people to play until dark. Right. and it's it's amazing to see what that brings out. 
Yep. That brings out mom and three yeah. kids. That brings out dad and three kids. That brings out mom and dad and two kids. That brings out $60 with dad and three kids and mom and three kids. Um, right. It's it's a it's a an, an amazing time uh to stay off the golf course if you're interested in playing real quick, but uh right. um it's it's fabulous to see and it's it's an amazing promotion. I guess the reason, yeah, exactly, and I think that's fantastic. And, and, and I guess the reason why I wanted to pose that challenge was, you know, traditionally the only time you really saw families connected with golf was on a, a miniature golf course or a mini putt or or something like that, which you know can be fun for them as well. But I would really like to see more of what you're talking about, um, Dave, out in the golf course, where more, cor- especially with a lot of courses that have been hurting over the, the you know, these last decade or so, uh, with the way the economy has been. I think that that may be a way that they could sort of bring up their bottom line a little bit by by reaching out to families and not just going after the corporate golf and and going after the business golf, but maybe other ways that they could be a little more creative uh, uh, in how they uh, uh, you know uh, do their approach. But um, guys, I want to thank you very much for for um, joining me tonight on Golf Talk Live. It's been a very interesting and in depth conversation. And I'm going to go down the list here, uh, Connie. I'm going to start with you. Two things I would like for you to do is. Uh, let the folks first and foremost know how they can learn uh, more about IMAP and maybe get involved for the teaching professionals that are tuning in tonight and even for the uh, amateur golfers that might be listening into the show as well. Um, Where can they go to learn more about IMAP? And then I would like for you to share um, how they can go about getting uh, your book. Great. Well, first of all, our website is imapgolf.com, and there is a Contact Us button there that you can either email us or you can call us at 1-800-815-0185, and we're on the East Coast, so um, that's between like 9 and 5.30 East Coast time. Then uh, to get the book, you can go to Amazon and get uh, just type in Back on Course, and it's a book by Connie Charles and Dave Bisbee, and you'll see that there. You can get it in either an ebook format, or you can purchase a hard copy and it's 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 a, a beautiful book so it makes a great gift too perfect well said um dave i'm going to uh let you go next um tell us a little bit about uh, seven canyons golf club well if you can if you can imagine uh putting a, a golf course in the bottom of uh, the grand canyon that kind of describes it it's <laughs> um, uh, Sedona, has, Sedona has been uh, described as uh, the most beautiful place on the planet. Um, everybody that's on the uh, the line with us here has been here, and I think would agree. And and uh, it, it's uh, a spectacular place. The golf course, uh, the club at Seven Canyons, is a Weisskopf design, which uh, it, and it's a little bit of a throwback. It's a par seventy, a uh, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's not a beach up lawn course. It's just a uh, beach up uh, skinny course, and uh, and w- would be a good course in any setting. But in in our setting, it, it uh, it's spectacular. Fantastic. And how can they? Uh, how can the folks that are tuning in uh, reach out to you? Well, you can. Uh, our website is sevencanyons.com, and uh, the seven is spelled out. Uh, you can mm-hmm. see some uh, pictures, do some flyovers of the holes, and uh, and you can also uh, find me through imapgolf.com. 
perfect. Um, and just let me throw this out there since you mentioned uh, Weisskopf design. Uh, Tom was one of my favorite golfers growing up. So if if by chance in a conversation or whatever, um, I would love to interview Tom Weisskopf. So if you just happen to be uh, passing by or, or, you know, what have you, uh, just spread the word and say I would love to have him on the show. Um, <laughs> well, I'll, I'll do that. Absolutely. Uh, and I'm serious. I, I would love to. Uh, he was one of my favorite golfers growing up. Uh, just a, a phenomenal golfer, and I know he's uh, done very well in, in the design business as well. Um, yeah. Mr. Peter Fox, um, I, I know you've got lots of great things going on. Would you like to share with the folks as well? Um, anyone that might be interested in reaching out to you as well and learning more about uh, some of the things that you're doing? Well, sure. Uh, as a uh, lifetime, uh, well, not lifetime, but as a, a longtime guerrilla marketeer and a serial communicator and a serious <laughs> golfer, um, <laughs> most of what you would want to find out about me and maybe even take a look at some of my work that I've done for the golf industry as well as some of the uh, uh, big names in business, uh, you can find it at, uh, like, Gunslinger, only Penslinger, mm-hmm. NC, Penslinger, North Carolina, dot blogspot, dot com. Penslinger, NC, dot blogspot, dot com. That's Peter. Perfect. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. And certainly, last but not least, uh, Jamie, share with the folks how they can reach out to you as well. Well, I'm actually coordinating for PGA and LPGA teaching professionals. I work with IMAP, so if any pros out there are listening or maybe students who you'd like your pros to to get involved, um, they can just contact me, and I'm going to give my phone number. I think that's the easiest. It's 760 Seven six zero four nine two golf four six five three so seven six zero four nine two four six five three and um, uh, <clears throat> the programs that we're doing for corporate work uh, for event planners for women women in golf um, again give me a call or contact me through uh, the IMAP office would be a good way to do that. Perfect. Uh, and lastly, um, Jamie, if you don't mind, um, since you're going to be coming back uh, and joining me next week on the show as well, um, why don't you give a little sneak peek of who, uh, who you're going to be bringing with you next week? <laughs> well, if I wasn't excited enough about, uh, <laughs> about <laughs> Connie and Dave and, and Peter, which has been fantastic, we're really excited next week to have Shirley Spork on, who is one of the three still alive of the 14 mm-hmm. founders of the LPGA. So she is just awesome, and uh, she's going to be, be talking about what it was like in the early days of women's golf, getting the tour going, her experiences with uh, the Babe, Babe Didgerson Zaharias, um, and uh, the Founders film is a film that has been uh, been produced about the founders of the LPGA. It's being seen in a lot of film festivals, winning awards, and we have also I've invited the producer to join us of the film. So. It's going to be a Perfect. real walk through the history of women's golf and um, both the tour and the teaching division, which Shirley was, was the mastermind of. And, you know, you really want to hear and meet Shirley. She's awesome. We're really lucky to have her. Well, I'm, I'm looking forward to that interview, and, and uh, I, I enjoyed uh, having you folks on tonight. I want to appreciate, uh, express my appreciation to uh, Connie Charles, uh, Dave Bisbee, um, 
Peter Fox, and of course, Jamie Leno Zimron. Thank you very much, guys, for coming on the show tonight and sharing uh, about IMAP Golf. So go to imapgolf.com to learn more. And uh, I, again, I appreciate your, your time and, and efforts to, to come on the show and share a little bit more about uh, what I think is uh, certainly going to be revolutionary. And um, you guys are welcome to come back anytime. And, and Peter, I may, I may end up reaching out to you. Uh, I think we might have a, a story here we can talk about, maybe share some Mo stories or what have you. Uh, but I think I might like to have you back on as well. Uh, as well as you, Dave, uh, I think I'd like to have you back on again uh, on a separate show. So we'll, I'll reach out uh, through Jamie uh, to both of you. And uh, Connie, you have an open invitation anytime uh, to uh, let us know what, what's happening with IMAP uh, Golf and IMAP Strategic Solutions. So uh, please feel free to, to uh, reach out anytime. But guys, thank you very much for joining me tonight on Golf Talk Live. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Ted. Ted. Thanks so much, Ted. Thanks, Ted. Look forward to Bye-bye. it. Bye-bye. All right. Great. Thank you. Okay, that was my very special guest tonight. Um, as I mentioned, uh, the co-founders of IMAC Golf, uh, Connie Charles and Dave Bisbee, uh, as well as uh, Peter Fox from uh, ESPN joined us tonight. And uh, my good friend, golf sensei and master instructor herself, Jamie Leno-Zimron. Um, what a great show tonight. Very interesting uh, discussion. I hope you guys enjoyed it as well. And as uh, Jamie alluded to, next week we're going to be having a uh, real legend of, of women's golf, uh, Shirley Spork, is going to be joining us here uh, on Golf Talk Live. Uh, don't forget to join us every Tuesday mornings uh, from 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern um, Standard Time uh, on the Women of Golf Show. That's with uh, LPGA professional Legends Tour players Cindy Miller and I uh, together interview some of the great women uh, in golf and business golf uh, uh, virtually on the planet. Uh, lots of great uh, guests coming up on that show as well. And we're going to be rolling out some uh, some Symmetra Tour and LPJ players uh, coming out here shortly in the weeks to come as well, uh, adding them into the mix. So we're looking forward to uh, uh, some great shows uh, on the women of golf. And also, um, as I mentioned earlier in the broadcast, the Coach's Corner will be starting on March the 2nd. Um, for those of you that have never um, listened to that segment of the program, um, that is a panel discussion where I invite a number of teach professionals and uh, golf coaches and so forth uh, for a panel discussion each and every week beginning March 2nd uh, uh, throughout the rest of the calendar year. Um, it's a two-hour program, of course, Golf Talk Live uh, traditionally, and the first hour I dedicate to the Coach's Corner where we have some panel discussions. We sometimes will field questions. Um, this year we're going to do things a little bit differently on the show. Uh, I'm going to actually have on uh, two of the shows uh, of the month, I'm going to be featuring a special guest joining the panel uh, with specific specific topics that we're going to be covering and and uh, getting them to sort of open up the uh, the dialogue and discussion. But always a lot of fun. Uh, the key purpose, of course, is to educate you guys out there and to give you some things to think about, not only for your own game, but th things to maybe think about uh, in business as well or your own personal lives. So we're always trying to help you in all those areas. But uh, I want to give a special thanks to uh, Jonathan Laird from South Coast Golf Guide for uh, all your continued support of the program. Uh, South Coast Golf Guide, of course, is a great publication here in the southeastern part of the United States. If you go to southcoastgolfguide.com, uh, you'll see the latest uh, edition there, uh, the e-version of the guide. But you can also get your hot little hands on a hard copy, um, and you don't necessarily have to be down here in the southeast to get one. Uh, of course, if you're down here visiting, playing some great golf, 
virtually anywhere from Texas right over to here in Florida. Uh, most of the major clubs and, and uh, some of the golf shops as well, like uh, uh, Edwin Watts and, and some of the other golf uh, uh, facilities as well. Uh, even here where I am uh, in Panama City Beach, Florida, uh, some of the major condos uh, carry them in their um, foyers. So uh, look for South Coast Golf Guide. But if you're not coming down to the area right away, but you'd like to know about some of the great courses uh, within the publication that you can play, and of course it includes all of the uh, uh, tea information, tea time information as far as where to call and, and uh, the yardages and things like that for many of the courses, um, in the publication, uh, you can go to South Coast Golf Guide and you can request a copy be mailed to you. Even if you're up in Canada, uh, they'll mail you a copy. Jonathan will make sure you get one there in your hot little hands. So you can kind of plan out, uh, depending on where you're going, uh, for especially here in the uh, south for the winter months. Sometimes it's a little cool up there in Canada or the northeastern part of the United States. Um, maybe you want to come down here or maybe you're already down here. Uh, you can request a copy be sent to you uh, if you're not able to to access it, other, access it otherwise. Or you can just go online, southcoastgolfguide.com. Uh, Mr. Jonathan Laird is more than happy to uh, to help you there. Um, and I want to thank all of the other uh, great folks that um, have supported the show over the years, Meredith Kirk, uh, Nikki and Tiffany Litherlin, uh, Mr. Bernie Pinder, Sean Kelly, and of course, Mr. Peter Doyle. Uh, but most importantly, I want to take this opportunity to thank all the listeners worldwide for faithfully tuning in to Golf Talk Live each week. Uh, I do have a great amount of pleasure and enjoyment of having a number of highly talented coaches, teacher professionals, authors, and entrepreneur, entrepreneurs excuse me, stop by. And it's really through their participation, guest appearances, that have helped make Golf Talk Live a first-class show. So again, thank you to many of the supporters and sponsors of the show as well as all of you listeners out there for tuning in faithfully each and every week. So have a great week. I will see you next Thursday right here on Golf Talk Live. God bless everybody and have a great weekend.